It's the October 18th, 2019 episode of Weekly Signals Meltdown. Broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Yeah. What is it, Mother? Right. <laughs> Want a snack? Yeah. Good boy. I cook up a little chicken for him. Do you? Yeah, I boil it. Oh, I boiled, yeah, that's very I boil good. chicken yeah. tenders. Uh-huh. Yeah, he loves that stuff. Do you, spi- do you spice it at all? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no it's bad for his tummy. <laughs> Today we'll be talking about many-headed slime. Uh-huh. <laughs> Kinetic energy, nuclear hostages, 30,000 satellites, Oof, and more. That's a lot. Yeah. But first, yeah. in our opening round. Ding. The first question goes to Mike Casper. Uh-oh. Are you ready? Okay. How is blue light? Yes. Like Ellen DeGeneres. Say that again. Wow. How is blue light? Like Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. Oh well, they they both uh, are involved in talk shows. Uh, Sorry, the correct answer is you shouldn't expose yourself to it. Wow. From Science Daily, prolonged exposure to blue light. Like, and what would be a source of blue light, Nathan? Well, your cell phone, uh-huh. your computer screen, uh-huh. the Web of Things screens, mm-hmm. you know, all those little things that you don't even think about mm-hmm. you might have hanging around at home that are emitting blue light. Even if they're not shining in your eyes, could be affecting your lifespan. Really? Yeah. You could be dying right now because here we are in this room. Mm-hmm. I see at least four blue light sources. Yeah. I think there's the little screens on the CD players there are blue light sources. Yeah, yeah. And over there in that recording unit, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a blue light source. And below light. there, in the, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. We're being bombarded by blue light uh, right now. And we don't even need to look at it to be aging. That's one excuse. New research suggests that the blue wavelengths damage cells in your retinas and in your brain. <laughs> Think, well, uh, is there anything that we can do, Nathan? You have to dig a hole and hide. <laughs> the study involved a common fruit fly because of the cellular and developmental mechanisms it shares with humans. Flies exposed to blue light showed damage to their retinal cells and brain neurons and had impaired locomotion. They couldn't climb walls. They would just slip right off the walls. That's crazy. Pretty soon, that's what we'll be doing. We (laughs) will no longer be able to climb the walls. I haven't been able to climb walls for several weeks now, so it's starting to concern me. But yeah, thank you. No wonder. There is evidence that increased exposure to artificial life is a risk factor for your sleep and circadian disorders. You know about that. Yes, I do. Well, a lot they're, they're, about that, yes. They're not a risk for your disorder. They, they cause They, they cause the disorder. Right, right. As we try to live healthier, designing a healthier spectrum of light might not only help us sleep better, but improve our overall health. Yeah. So we need to get the spectrum toned down a little bit. I like the warmer tones myself. little amber light is mm. always nice. Yeah, I think. yeah. It resembles candlelight. Could they change our screens to be more amber-ish? There is apparently a setting on a lot of computers that can do that. But you could wear amber lenses. They have blue light filtering lenses you can get. Yeah. Cost money, but it'd be worth it if you if you if it affects your 
eyesight and your lifespan. It no kidding. Yeah, I think I would probably spend a few extra dollars for yeah. that. You can set your phones, laptops, and other devices to block blue emissions. The one thing in the article, it says that it hasn't been around long enough to know exactly the, the impact it'll have on, on our lifespan. And given that we've only really, most people have only been exposed to, even if you're as old as I am, yeah. only about, well, it's been 25 years now since I bought my first computer, so that's 25 years. Only 25 years? Yeah. 1994, really? my first computer. Oh, I was already going at it for about a decade then. You had that little Mac, yeah, that little, yeah, whatever that yeah. first edition wow. was, yeah. I feel old now. They also recommend wearing a tinfoil hat, too. Well, yeah. I already do that, Just so about that. I got that covered. But seriously, yeah. I recommend the blue light filtering lenses for your glasses. Yeah. If you can do it's that, good, especially know. if you wear glasses anyway when you're looking at your computer, just right. get the blue light filtering on. I mean, this is sort of, good. it may sound like a frivolous story to be talking about this, but yeah. at the same time, this is one of those things that's insidious. Yeah. It is everywhere, and I think this is good advice. From the Washington Post. A single-cell slime mold that lacks a nervous system and has long baffled scientists for its ability to learn. This is a mold we're talking about. Yeah. It learns. It passes knowledge to other molds and repairs itself in minutes. That's a mold. Yeah. Those scientists still don't know how exactly to categorize it. It's called Fasarum polycephorum, many-headed slime. <laughs> Well, I wonder if this would be considered in in the realm of fungi, um, bacteria. You just want to make everything fungi. I this do is, now. I'm obsessed with fungi. Okay. I know you are. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> the many-headed slime is making its public debut this Saturday at the Paris Zoological Park. Uh-huh. We don't really know if many-headed slime is an animal, if it's a fungus, or if it's bi. So to answer your question, it could be a fungus, it's, it's but we don't know. Bipacterial. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sometimes it behaves like an animal. It's capable of memory. It's capable of solving problems and of moving around in a labyrinth and finding its way. I wonder if this is a link between we came out of some primordial slime way back millions of years ago. I wonder if this is an ancestor or a pre- or something that came... Well, in that it, link. it might be another way to reason, too, okay. to find yeah. a reason. Yeah. Huh. It doesn't need to be a link. It could be a whole different path. It could. Yeah. It can navigate without eyes, limbs, or wings. That would be funny to have a winged slime. Researchers who sliced up one many-headed slime into pieces of many, many-headed slimes and sprinkle them in a maze, watch the many, many-headed slimes move back together to form the original many-headed slime. Well, I just hope that it's a benevolent overlord. That's all I... Whenever I hear these stories, I just hope that when it's well, in charge... we charts, can slice it into pieces. Yeah, and maybe... <laughs> and then it will come back together. Mauler? Like it... You should... Ch- yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, me too. When researchers put nutrients at the end of a maze, the many-headed slime searched for a way to the food, retreating from dead ends to find the shortest possible way to the prize. That's because it leaves a slime trail. Okay, that's understandable, but this is the one that got me. Check this out. One many-headed slime recreated the Tokyo rail system. Oh, my God. After scientists placed mounds of oat flakes in a pattern that resembled Japanese cities around Tokyo. So what they're thinking is that maybe the many-headed slime could one day help engineers looking for tips on urban planning. Yeah. You know how they've been looking for the, uh, was it bosom particle? 
yeah. We may Wait. have found the God slime. We, we may have found it. That we've been looking. We hadn't even been looking for it. But we now know. You remind me of a caveman sometimes. You know, you get one reason for one thing and you apply it to everything. That's, that's how we got that's stuck called, with religion. That's called redactive reasoning. That's what that's called. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. glad you know your affliction. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. I think some things are applicable over many different disciplines. That's all. Principles. That, and it, that by the principle way, is too often used. Well, I still, I'm going to call it the God slime from now on. Just, oh, you can if you yeah, like. Yeah. I, think so. I like the many-headed slime better. Many-headed slime? That's what I call the Trump administration. <laughs> the well, it could be. headed slime. It could be a polydeity slime. Why is God in that during because this? We're ta- because I made the point. I know. You They're looking for the God, God particle, right? I mean, that's... Wasn't it's that, not yeah. really. The, it's the goddamn particle. That's why they called it the God particle, is because initially it was well, so hard to find, they called it the goddamn particle. Okay. So it has nothing to do with a deity. <laughs> okay. Jeez. From hey. inverse. Man. Man. A just... wild fungus. Here you go. Here we Here's go. Now we're, now we're in my wheelhouse. <laughs> A wild fungus yes. could help doctors produce a safer class of opioid drugs. Uh-huh. This is good. Yes. Researchers examining the fungus from the same genus as the one we get the antibiotic penicillin from, the penicillium fungus, found that it can be used to produce a safe opioid. The team isolated three different molecules called tetrapeptides and examined their unique structures. Recognizing that the tetrapeptides closely resembled existing opioid molecules, the scientists designed a new opioid molecule and then, realizing it wouldn't be active without some chemical tweaks, created another new molecule. They called it bilacterfin and tested it in a computerized simulation to determine how it would most likely interact with opioid receptors in living creatures. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you, Mike. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Thank you. It turns out bilacterfin will bind with opioid receptors much like morphine and other conventional opioids, but with a major difference. (laughs) Typical opioid analgesics bind to opioid receptors by recruiting a protein called beta-arrestin, which can cause respiratory depression, and that can lead to overdose death. I love morphine, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a great drug. I know. I mean, I don't do it illegally. No, I, I, I go that. to my uh, whenever you my, whenever my pharmacist. Whenever you slip and fall, which is get, becoming more and more, <laughs> you get some more. Nah, that's not true. Doctor, I, I slipped and yeah. fell. Oh, go ahead. Don't get my enemies excited. <laughs> Bilacterfin, okay, the designer sounds, molecule yes. that we started with here, yeah. doesn't recruit beta arrestin. It just says we're yeah. good. So it could be as effective at managing pain as morphine. Could be that good, but without the bad. Accidental the, overdose well, side the, effect. The, the, the depressed respiratory system, as well as hopefully not yeah. quite as addictive, we yeah. hope. It sounds like a good way to yeah. kill your pain. Yeah. If this news makes you whippy as a sheet of glass in a whining matrix, <laughs> may I recommend a donation to KUCI before you drift into unconsciousness? <laughs> Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial-free, free-form, free-speech radio at 88.9 FM, KUCI.org. From the New York Times. Uh-huh. A new study found that polystyrene, a common ocean pollutant, decomposes in sunlight much faster than we thought. 
Uh, previous studies estimated that polystyrene could take thousands of years to degrade, but in a new study, scientists found that sunlight can degrade polystyrene in centuries or even decades. Polystyrene, one form of which carries the brand name Styrofoam, mm -hmm. is used to manufacture single-use cups, straws, containers, disposable razors, sporks, styrofoam peanuts. Remember those? Yes. They stopped making those, but man, yeah. used to get those all the time. Yes. And they were irritating, yes. too, because they'd always end up well, like they, somewhere you didn't expect them. Well, they'd them. fly around. You'd, yeah. you'd just blow on them, and they'd just they'd be everywhere, all yeah. over your room. And you'd, we just toss this stuff away. Okay. But the new study showed that sunlight breaks down polystyrene into basic chemicals of one, yeah. organic carbon, which dissolves in seawater, and two trace amounts of carbon dioxide at levels far too low to play a role in climate change. Well, huh? I'm, I'm liking the sound of this. Yeah. By the end of this process, the plastic has effectively disappeared from the environment. Previous studies focused largely on the degrading effect of microbes. That's mm -hmm. where the problem was. Mm -hmm. That's why they were wrong, as far as we know. But in this study, polystyrene's molecular backbone turned out to be the perfect shape and size to catch certain frequencies of sunlight. Oh. That's the whole key there, right. is the configuration, the shape of this. Right. It's a matter of physics here, okay. rather than chemistry. The energy from the light that's absorbed breaks the chemical bonds. Lots of cities have banned this from usage in their communities. It's still not a bad idea. If we can find alternatives right. to this that don't take, they said centuries here, right. to decompose. Right. It can't be doing you <laughs> right. any good while it's sitting around. Right. No, that's but true. at least it's not forever chemical. Right, like plastics yeah. tend to be. Yeah. From Popular Mechanics. Yes. Will concrete blocks help our batteries last longer, Mike? I hope so. Yeah. As renewables rise in use and their prices drop, energy storage is becoming increasingly crucial. As batteries age, they lose power. To solve the storage problem, a Swiss energy company has created extra energy with concrete blocks. Energy Vault's battery consists of an almost 400-foot-tall six-arm crane with custom-built concrete blocks weighing almost 35 tons each. That would be metric tons. That solar or wind comes into the energy vault, and AI directs the concrete blocks to rise up. Then the blocks are returned to the ground, and the kinetic energy generated from the falling brick is turned back into electricity. That kinetic energy then turns a motor, which passes through an inverter, sending the energy back into the grid. Yeah. The energy vault's plan is about long-term storage. As these batteries age, they won't lose power. Through the concrete blocks, they'll maintain it. The longer a storage facility can hold energy, the better. Yeah. The cool thing about this, it's yeah. scalable. You're talking about 35-ton yeah. blocks. Yeah. It's actually very scalable. Yeah. So you could theoretically have dozens of these yeah. things around your community creating a battery yeah. system for your yeah, energy. In fact, Mahler's putting one together in the backyard out of patio pavers. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's How's pretty, that going, Mahler? Cool, How's huh? that going? Is that going okay? Uh, is it good? Huh? Mahler? Mahler. He's working <laughs> at it right now. He probably doesn't... <laughs> There, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. What? Uh, he says, well, I, yeah, he says, leave them alone. Leave them alone. <laughs> I, I know they're heavy. Mahler, we told you they were heavy. Uh, it was reported <laughs> that the green economy in America generates $1.3 trillion. That's a trillion, $1.3 trillion. Pretty good. And employs uh, more than 9.5 million people. Yeah. 
to put the numbers in context, it's not a lot, but no, it's a good start. It's a good start. 9.5 million jobs represents over 4% of the working age population in the U.S., while the $1.3 trillion is a little under 7% of the annual GDP. The U.S. green economy grew. This is the nice part. It grew 20% from 2013 to 2016. That's a big jump for a small amount of time. Right, now, it is, but we're still lagging <coughs> behind the rest of the world, but it's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we are lagging behind the rest of the world. That's the sorry part of it all. And the number is projected to keep rising, but I don't know if in their figures they've uh, considered the fact that we'd be governed by many-headed slime. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com. On Twitter and Instagram at KUCI FM, stream us live on TuneIn, or go to KUCI.org. From the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Review. May I say, a very fine journal. I am enjoying the heck out of the MIT Review. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Tell me more. The UK just got more power from renewables than fossil fuels for the first time. Yeah. yeah. We're going in the right direction. All right. In the third quarter of this year, 40% of the UK's electricity came from renewables like wind, biomass, and solar, while fossil fuels, virtually all gas in the UK's case, made up 39%. Okay. So we beat it by a little bit. Yeah, yeah. not a lot, but it's... And really, when you get further in the story, we probably didn't all of that wasn't a positive thing which is why i hesitated about the mit review because sometimes they put a a better a, spin on things yeah well they have a great headline and then you actually spend time to read the article it's not as good as the headline i understand yeah. but it's going in the now, right direction now the remaining 21 percent, because you know i gave you 40 and 39 percent is the, the remaining 21 percent of the 100 percent came from nuclear it's the first time this has happened uh, renewables were leading since the UK's first power plant fired up in 1882. This milestone is largely due to a few new offshore wind farms that came online from July to September of this year. In spite of the poorly educated blowhard who currently lives in the White House, who claims that wind turbines cause cancer, Jesus they Christ. don't. Can you imagine that? I can't even imagine in what world someone would, even if they heard that, why would they think that's true? Yeah. Like, why? Because the many-headed slime said it. <laughs> the wind farm industry in the UK is booming as turbines become bigger and more efficient. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, 12% of the renewable energy electricity in the quarter came from biomass, and biomass isn't necessarily carbon-free. And that was the little yes. caveat I was Thank talking you. about. Thank you. In fact, some biomass can lead to higher emissions than fossil fuels. The biomass Global have methane. Crisis. They release methane, which is not a good thing. Yeah. When I saw this story, I thought, Britain, who I don't think of as a leader in the world of affecting climate change in a positive yeah. way, it was at this point, which to me is progress. And it is worth pointing out that in relation to the rest of the world, power grids in Iceland, Norway, Costa Rica are yeah. almost entirely running on renewables. Yeah in those countries. And to put the bad spin on all of this, the countries that matter most, China, the U.S., and India, they're still lagging way behind. Yeah. China is at something like 27% renewables, and the United States is at a rather pathetic 18%. Yeah. 
the biomass is great and all, but let's concentrate on solar. Yeah. Especially solar, solar and wind. wind. Yeah. 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 From the Washington Post, a good conservative newspaper. Yes. Just that our country has swung so far to the many-headed slime. <laughs> yes. That some people look at it as being uh, liberal. Yeah. It's, it's not even by, close it, to liberal. It's owned by the wealthiest man in America, yeah. Jeff Bezos. The Washington Post is establishment to its core. It is in the belly of the beast. It is not a liberal newspaper. Yeah. It occasionally stumbles into the world of what is considered liberal because it will tell truth yeah. to power occasionally. Uh, from the Washington Post, facing unbearable heat, Qatar or Qatar. Qatar. That's the closest that you can come to it without actually learning the language. Okay. I tried yesterday. Did you? Yeah. I believe you. I couldn't. Yeah. But no, Qatar, I, Qatar has begun to air condition the outdoors. This is amazing. This is stupid. It is. So, say it's 120 degrees out and you're sitting watching a game at the new Al Janoub open air soccer stadium. Beneath each of its 40,000 seats, there's an air conditioning vent pushing out cool air at ankle level. That's not amazing. That's dumb. Yeah. And since cool air sinks, it moves to the playing field. Well, great, but it's still getting blown out and it's still creating carbon. Yeah. Vents the size of soccer balls feed more cool air onto the field down at field level. So if you're playing soccer and the ball goes astray, yeah, you yeah. can get a hole-in-one. <laughs> you kick it towards the goal, yeah. and it moves left yeah, it just, for yeah. unexplained it's not, it's not a gust of wind. <laughs> it's a gust of air conditioning. Yeah. And this is the thing. It's going to be 120 degrees. Yeah, The stadium is a one of eight in that tiny but obscenely rich country. Cutter yeah. must get in shape for the 2022 World Cup. Why don't they just move the goddamn World Cup to some place where they wouldn't have to air condition an outdoor soccer stadium? God damn it! The most Jesus corrupt. Christ on a I bike. know, I know. In the world of sport, there are three or four truly corrupt organizations, vastly corrupt. Yeah. The Olympics are corrupt. The NCAA is pretty damn corrupt. Yeah. And soccer. Anything that's international is generally really yeah. corrupt. And this one, this is one of the most... Well, everything's corrupt, Mike. Corruption the, is part of life. Yes. Yeah. But there are scales in which we can judge it's corruption. And, and I would say that soccer, FIFA, and the Olympics are pretty much at the top of the hill. Why in the hell would you have a World Cup in Qatar? They're f afraid that thousands of soccer fans might suffer from dehydration and die while shuttling between stadiums and hotels in the 120-degree summer heat. So they canceled it for summer, and they moved the World Cup to winter. So it's but, only 100 yeah, degrees. Yeah, so it's only going to And who knows how hot it's going to be there. Yeah. Things are changing. Yeah. It's now scheduled for November during Cutter's milder winter. <laughs> Jesus. It's the climate crisis, stupid. And it's money in this case. Yeah. Cutter is obscenely wealthy. Yeah. I'm sure they slipped a lot of money. And they're going to gonna the... lose money on it, but it's the prestige. It's like holding the Olympics in, in a place that doesn't get a lot of snow. They won't lose money in the long term. You don't think They'll so? They'll cook okay. the book so it looks like they lost money. So the okay. world, what is it, the world soccer? FIFA. FIFA is... Why are they in this if they're not making money? Really? No. Prestige? They're making money through the prestige. Yeah. It's advertising. Yeah. It's why so the it's Russians held, it's yeah. why the Russians hosted the Olympics a few years ago at Sochi yeah. because they wanted the, the prestige <sighs> to survive the summer heat 
Qatar not only air-conditions its soccer stadiums, but also the outdoors, in markets along sidewalks and in outdoor malls, so people can window shop, all in the comfort of a climate crisis-accelerating cool breeze. It's a human feedback loop. Carbon emissions create global warming, which creates the desire for air conditioning, which creates the needs for burning fuels that emits more carbon dioxide. And carbon emissions then create global warming, which creates the desire for air conditioning, which creates the need for burning fuels, on and on. All we have to do is stop this. It's my old Ouroboros thing. Yeah. This is Versailles before the revolution. The opulence of Versailles. Eat Eat the the rich. rich. Cutter cooling capacity is expected to nearly double from 2016 to 2030, and temperatures are expected to go up 4 to 6 degrees Celsius. The big increase in population there is people coming into the country, not the country itself. The U.S. Air Force stations in Cutter calls very hot days Black Flag Days. (laughs) They name it after the uh, punk group here. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Uh, Yeah, probably why. And limits exposure of troops. People doing heavy work in the fire department or aircraft repair uh, area may work for only 10 minutes at a time, followed by 15 minutes of rest. Wow. And it must be damn hot. Qatar emits a lot of greenhouse gases. About 60% of the country's electricity, 60, 60% is used for cooling. By contrast, air conditioning accounts for barely 15% of U.S. electricity demands and less than 10% of China or India's. If there is ever a region of the world and ever a country that is begging for solar panels and solar energy, it's this part of the world and it's Qatar. And there's ways to keep buildings cool that don't require air conditioning. Higher temperatures combined with growing Qatar population will mean greater energy demand primarily for fossil fuels, emissions from space cooling including air conditioning, fans, and dehumidification, could double by 2050 if climate policies aren't strengthened. The Middle East could go from the oil-producing region of the world to the solar power region of the world in about 10 years, if they wanted to. From Science Magazine, a Turkish food engineer and human rights activist was sentenced to 15 months in jail after publishing the results of a study he and other scientists had done that linked toxic pollution to a high incident of cancer in western Turkey. Turkey, now there's a great country. Bolensik. That's not to disparage the Turkish people. No. Just to say, like... No, they have a Trump in charge of their country exactly. now. Exactly. This guy, Bolensik former deputy director at the Food Safety and Agricultural Research Center at Akdenef University, was convicted of disclosing classified information after he published the results in a Turkish newspaper. The study was commissioned by Turkey's Ministry of Health to see whether there was a connection between toxicity in soil, water, and food and the high incidence of cancer in western Turkey. Working for five years, Sik and a team of scientists discovered dangerous levels of pesticides, heavy metals, and polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons in multiple food and water samples. Water in several residential areas was also found to be unsafe for drinking because of lead, aluminum, chrome, and arsenic pollution. The report was filed with the government, but after three years of no action, Sik decided to publish his findings. The Turkish Ministry of Health did not argue that what uh, Sikh published was untrue. Instead, the government said the information was confidential, which probably means it's accurate. Yeah. 
Under Turkish law, Sikh could have avoided jail and received a suspended sentence by expressing regret, but he declined to do so when asked by the judge. So good on him. You don't want to be sorry that you did this. Eh? When we start jailing scientists, I don't care if it's here yeah. or, or in Turkey or somewhere else, we're in trouble. We're just saying what's true. Whether you're talking about heavy metals, lead, aluminum, chrome in your water supply and in yeah. your food, you're talking about a real health crisis. And whatever you think somehow getting this information out is somehow going to cause a panic, the panic will be when the rates of cancer in your children yeah. starts to go up. From the New Republic, 50 U.S. B-16 nuclear gravity bombs currently are in underground vaults at Incirlik Base in southern Turkey. One official at the U.S. State Department said that the bombs are now Erdogan's hostages. Yeah. They're capable of delivering a range of nuclear yields from 300 tons to up to 170 kilotons, or roughly 11 times the yield of the bomb the U.S. dropped on Hiroshima. Turkish F-16 fighters used to be certified to carry and deliver these weapons, but Turkey no longer has the trained pilots to fly them. But that doesn't that's mean what they, they couldn't say. strap one on and yeah. just give it a go. Well, they're there. They're there. Yeah. yeah. Seriously, it's time to take our effing nuclear weapons out of Turkey. That was according to an arms control researcher, Jeffrey Lewis. He used the word in yeah. his report. Yeah, but since we're on radio... Since we want to re maintain our license to broadcast, yeah. we shouldn't be saying that word. But you know the word, kids. Yeah. yeah. That thought apparently also occurred to U.S. officials at the State Department and uh, Department of Energy. Since Trump pulled U.S. troops out of Syria and Erdogan's onslaught against the Kurds began, officials have been reviewing plans to get the bombs out of Incirlik. Well, I hope they're doing more than reviewing plans. It should have happened much sooner, say, when a coup threatened to topple Erdogan's government in 2016 yeah. or in the aftermath as Erdogan backed away from the U.S. alliances built on closely shared interests and values. Right. Presidential phone calls and tweets notwithstanding, the U.S. and Turkey no longer have any of those shared values. Yeah, but they are in NATO. This yeah. is the problem. Turkey is the second largest army in NATO. We're the largest. And who knows that we might have shared values given the yes. many-headed slime that's running well, the country. Well, I think their leadership and our leadership, or let's say President Trump and Pre President Erdogan, do have a certain connection along well, the lines of... Let's not forget Pompeo. I wonder in this capitulation the State Department handed over to the Turks about the Kurds, I wonder if this did play a factor. I wonder if this was brought up in some mafia kind of way to yeah. our administration. You know, we've got these 16 nuclear weapons. We could leave them behind. We, they, somehow they might get lost. Who knows? I think it's more a, a matter of the process of getting them out of there, of agreeing to it. Couldn't keep pace with the changing world current affairs. Right. I'm sure there's a lot involved in the logistics and the security considerations to get these things out of there. Yeah. I don't know why they couldn't just strap them on one of our planes that are certified to fly them around. You mean you and the planes that we have? With the planes yeah. that you and I have, yeah. And Mahler. Mahler's yeah. part of that. Yeah, yeah, Mahler. <laughs> You've got to be able to put them on a plane pretty quickly exactly. in case you need yeah. them. So you can't tell me you can't get them on a plane and, and get them out. it's got to be a close enough base around it, too. In, in the Mediterranean, yeah, you yeah. think so? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, moving on. Yeah. Hawthorne Base SpaceX. You know that SpaceX thing? I do. They requested permission from an international regulatory group to operate as many as 30,000 satellites at a specific frequency, power level, and location in space. SpaceX, owned by Elon Musk, 
He's kind of a screwball. He is. He's a nut. Uh, they had received prior permission in May from the U.S. government to operate about 12,000 satellites and launch 60 initial satellites. The new satellites are part of Musk's plan for global Internet connectivity. The global Internet connectivity market is worth about a trillion dollars. Musk has estimated that with the company's Starlink satellite constellation, SpaceX could capture at least 30% or $30 billion of that sector. With so many satellites set to enter space, industry insiders and uh, you, me, and Mahler are concerned about potential collisions between spacecraft. They always have been talking about space junk for years, how much stuff is up there. So now we're going to put 30,000. Now, I know they're very small. Yeah. But in space, that doesn't, you don't need much to do a lot of damage to a spacecraft. Yeah, exactly. And that's not a good thing. Last month, a satellite belonging to the European Space Agency had to fire its thrusters to avoid colliding with one of SpaceX's Starlink satellites. Yeah. SpaceX has said that an on-ground operator missed a message from the U.S. Air Force showing that the chance of a collision had increased and that it is implementing corrective actions. That sounds like one of these lines that they have on a form letter. Exactly. This is from the company owned by Elon Musk, who brought you the Tesla autopilot fatal accidents. (laughs) What could go wrong here? And just in case you're out there worrying about earthquakes. Yeah. The California Governor's Office of Emergency Services released an app created by UC Berkeley that will give all Californians who download it on iOS and Android phones the chance to get earthquake early warnings from any corner of the state. Authorities will also begin issuing quake early warnings through the wireless emergency alerts system, offering text message alerts even for people who have not downloaded the app. It's called MyShake, the app. Mm-hmm. The MyShake app alerts rely on the U.S. Geological Survey's Backbone Shake Alert Earthquake Early Warning System for the West Coast, mm-hmm. which received greater financial support from state and federal elected officials in recent years. Many headed slime. The Trump administration tried to cut its budget about a year and a half ago, but Congress restored the funding. Shake Alert relies on hundreds of sensors installed throughout the state. So get MyShake app today. It I got you, mine. Yeah, it's it gives you some, some warning. It's good. It's good. What I like about it, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. is after the quake, you can say, I felt this, and it helps the study. Yeah, exactly. It, it helps things out. And finally, animals are coming for us, Mike. Well, are you going you're gonna to put in a good word? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. A man in Sherrville, Pennsylvania, called the police after being cornered in his garage by wild turkeys. Groundhogs in Belleville, Illinois, bit two people and took over an historic district. And in Billings, Montana, a team of sled dogs escaped from a training session and led police on a low-speed chase. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.